Welcome to Be Ye Hearers. It's a podcast of St. James's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. First, uh, let me say how utterly delighted I am to be here today. We have had a wonderful weekend, and, and one of the things I get to do in my life and ministry, as you may have seen, is that I get to be with vestries all over the place. In fact, although some people wince, so I'm going to watch your eyes when I say that vestries are my hobby. <laughs> Think of that. Some of you have served and know that one. And to be with John and Cynthia again, and you're good leaders, and I got to spend more time with folks than I usually do on an occasion of doing this kind of work. So how could I begin without thanking you, thanking John, thanking the vestry members and staff and the wonderful people of this parish? And let me tell you this, I see a lot of vestries. And you all have a vestry, you have a staff, you have a clergy, you have a community that is deeply creative and deeply, deeply committed. So what a pleasant way to begin, huh? And then you come to the gospel. Good Lord Almighty, how did you do that, John, is the question. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Gulp? Good grief. What a statement, what an admonition, what an exhortation from the Good Shepherd, the Lord of life, the Lord of love, right there right there hitting us between the eyes. In the center of it all is that word that we usually avoid in Scripture, the word repent. What has this got to do with me? What has this got to do with the ongoing message of Jesus of Nazareth? What has this got to do with my life, my meaning as a human being and follower of Jesus? Now, Jesus gets to this. Yes, he does some teaching about it, and I'm not going to get into all of that because it's very, very difficult teaching. I would prefer to spend a moment with the word picture, the parable. That's what Jesus really used over and over again to communicate the meaning and the goodness of God and the call to be a follower and friend of Jesus, a word picture about the kingdom of God. And what does he use? A picture of a vineyard, a picture of the attempt to have something grow, in fact, a fig tree itself treasured in the ancient world for its delicious and delectable fruit. Now, I don't know how many people sitting in these pews have fig trees at home that you are using and and enjoying in that way and having that great fruit. But let me tell you, the last two places I have lived, Connecticut and Indiana, it ain't so easy to grow a fig tree. My wife is an avid horticulturalist, and we found about 46 years ago in our marriage that if I just dug and carried and did what I was told, we would last in our marriage for a little bit. And fig trees have tested that. You have to put burlap around them in the north. You have to, in clay soil, kind of dig and dig and dig and maybe make a little complaint and say, honey, when this is over, can I have some Advil and scotch maybe? not easy. And it wasn't easy for this fig tree in the ancient world and in the picture. 
a good horticulturalist, a good gardener, had tried to make it grow, and nada, nothing, nothing worked so ever. And so the owner of the vineyard looks at it and says, and, I, and he was a member of the Jim Lemler School of Horticulture, he said, cut that blank thing down right now. Ah. But the horticulturalist, the gardener, sees that there's something good there, there's something possible, and maybe, maybe let's give it one more chance. What a surprise ending. The vineyard dresser interceding, saying that he will take the unusual and radical step of putting more of that precious manure around it and giving it special TLC to see if it can actually bear fruit, a temporary reprieve, but the owner must have accepted it. You know, there are lots of fig tree stories in the ancient world and all the cultures, oddly enough. And almost always, always, the fig tree gets the ax in the end. <laughs> Not this time. But even in the Gospels, Matthew's Gospel, there's another story about an unproductive, non-cooperative tree that withers away dead on the spot when Jesus looks at it. But this is a parable of mercy. Huh? A parable of forgiveness, a parable of new beginning, a parable of being able to have a, a new direction in energy and growth and life ex itself. Maybe, just maybe, the, church, the tree will will turn around. Maybe it will bear fruit. It's the hint, the hope, the expectation of radical change. So then, says Jesus, unless you turn, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. A word, a picture of God's exhortation, okay, but also God's invitation to a new way and a new life. Jesus wanted his listeners to turn to the God who loves them and redeems them and invites them home. He wants them to change their minds, which is the word, what the word repent really means. It has the word noose in Greek in the middle of it. It means about your mind. Change your mind about something. Go a new direction. Turn a new way. A direct word that may, may make us sweat a bit, and it has a lot of baggage to it. It's the same word that his cousin, John the Baptizer, used when people would come to him, including Jesus, on the Jordan River, and he would say, repent, turn some new way here, start some new direction in your life, and then down in the water they would go. At its center, at its heart, it means to turn a new direction, to change your mind, and to be embraced by and embrace the compassion, the love, the forgiveness, the life of God. So forget the dreary overtones for a moment, because I think that's a misread of it, missing the invitation that it actually proclaims, the hope to which it calls us. What if repenting is not about guilt and shame, and I know it's Lent, so bear with me a moment here, but suppose it's about new beginning and new hope, and new life. One of my heroes, one of the greatest writers in America is a novelist and also a theologian that could make theology very accessible, is Frederick Beekner. Maybe you've read some of his stuff over the years. And he defines repentance in this way. He says, to repent is to come to your senses 
It's not so much something you do as something that happens to you. True repentance spends less time looking at the past and saying, I'm sorry, than looking at the future and saying, wow! Think of it that way. And thank you, Dr. Beekner. I relate to that. I need to come to my senses about some things about my trust in God, my priorities in life, about some things that seem to want to draw me away from the embrace of God and God's love. And let me tell you, I need to look at the future and say, wow, is this really what it's about? Look at what God has given me and wants me to use. Look at the possibility to which God calls me. Look at the hope and the love that God provides to me day by day by day. I need to do that. And the holy season of Lent suggests that all of us can benefit and profit from doing that. So in another kind of weird way, does St. Paul, as he writes to the early Christian church in Corinth, we heard that as the epistle today, and let me tell you, that Corinth group was such a, a mixed bag, such a troubled, disputatious group of early believers. Yes, once again, there's some stark talking about judgment and snakes and human distress and shortcomings, but the point is the power of God's forgiveness and mercy, the power of changing minds and going new directions, as repentance would suggest. And the punchline of that is not about snakes. The punchline is God is faithful. God is faithful to you. God is faithful to me. God is faithful to this universe, even with all the turmoil and trouble that we experience within it. God is so faithful that God gives God's own self, God's own heart, God's own life, God's own love. Now, of course, we need to take stock of our lives. Lent's premise is accurate. Examination is good for the soul. Assessment leads us to some new directions. Maybe we need to make some amends with someone. I do need to ask forgiveness in my life, but for heaven's sake, we can't get stuck there. Instead, it is the invitation to look at the future, as Frederick Beekner suggests, and say, wow, this is wonderful. This will be wonderful. This can be wonderful. God loves me. God walks with me. God holds great promise and possibility for me and my life. There's something in store. To repent is to change our minds and recognize these things. It is to move into the future. And let's get back to that fig tree for one last moment. It is to bear fruit. Remember, the ultimate desire for that fig tree is not that it is kind of a nice adornment in the garden, but rather that it changes and it grows and it bears fruit and it has a rich and glorious future. That's the picture of us as dwellers in the kingdom of God itself, an invitation for us to walk the way of growth to have practices and, and actions that bear fruit, not simply ideas or words. It's like the song sung by Eliza Doolittle and probably my favorite musical, uh, My Fair Lady. Some of you may remember that. 
We did it, this, my favorite summer job in college was being the music director for a really little summer stock theater and we did it. And I've often thought of those words when she's singing along about all these suitors that are coming at her and all these words of love that are being done. And she sings, words, 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 I'm so sick of words. Is all, that all you blighters can do if you're in love? Show me. The action and the practice of going in new relationship a new way. God respects our words. God receives the expressions of our heart, the statements and sentiments of our mind. But today we are reminded that God seeks fruit, action, growth, vitality, and wants that to happen in our own souls through generosity and compassion, through the kind of baptismal promises that we make about what we're going to do about reflecting the love of God to others. It starts with turning in some new directions. You know, in the ancient church, when baptism was done, they used pretty much the same kind of words we do when there's a baptism in the Episcopal church today. And in the heart of it was the question, will you turn to Christ and accept him as your savior? That's still, a, you know, remember, look at it the next time you're doing and uh, uh, being part of a baptism in this parish. Will you turn to Christ? And what they did was they were facing the west and they would turn 180 degrees to the east, which is the resurrection direction in the ancient world. They would turn a new way. They would change their minds. They would convert their hearts and their souls to God. There's the invitation of Lent. There's the, the wisdom of that story and word picture of a fig tree that things can change, we can change, we can bear fruit, we can have new beginnings. It's true for us as individuals, and it is true for us as a church. That's what I observed yesterday most in your wonderful group of leaders, was how they want to be, and I didn't realize it was going to be the banner too, doers of the word. Whoa, you people really do believe this, don't you? <laughs> yes. And they were going to do this through the growth and the love that God is giving to this congregation right now. Oh, there are things to worry about in the past. Oh, there are issues of pandemic and there are issues of societal disruption and there are issues of a war over there and a war where is this going to become. But ultimately, ultimately, it is the grace and the love and the mercy of God that will lead us, that will lead this congregation that will lead each of us as individuals into the future where we can say, wow, this is what God is doing and will do. So here are some possibilities for Lent. A time to turn in new directions, to change our minds about some things, to cut through to core questions and possibilities. A time to take stock of our own hearts and our souls and our life. Here are some things. We don't have to do them all, and we don't have to do bunches of things in any of them. But what if we start off by acknowledging our need and our yearning for God? What if then we say, I want your forgiveness and your mercy so I can move forward? 
and accept the forgiveness of God, really here as word and admonition and possibility for our own lives, God is faithful to you, to me, to this congregation, to this church of ours. What if you maybe, maybe you change your mind about something? That God is asking you to say, okay, I did believe that, but maybe, maybe there are some other perspectives and other ways to look. What if you say, I'm hungry, nourish me, feed me, care for me, O oh God, and then let me grow? And then finally, how about just one fig? How about bearing some fruit? One glorious piece of succulent, inspirited fruit that bears the love of God. Repent, change your mind, bear some fruit. That's the, the season and those are the ingredients for spiritual, spiritual renewal during these 40 days. May we begin that journey in our hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Ye Hearers. For our full worship service, go to doers.org slash live. To learn more about St. James's, go to doers.org. We hope you've been touched by the Holy Spirit today. We look forward to being your companion on your spiritual journey.